Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Would you all like it if I preached a whole sermon with an Irish brogue? Would you like it, our lads? <laughs> a whole, I'm talking the whole sermon. Some of you aren't laughing. Like, really? That's funny. That was funny. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. It was pretty good. Come on. Come on. Hmm? I have the green on today. Right? Didn't want to let my wife down, the family down. Had to post that about St. Patrick. Make all the Irish people happy. No, really. I I picked one that was a really short article. Uh, There's, you know, other really seminal, you know, works about the influence of the Irish. You know, in two theology classes, I had to read a book, a a New York Times bestselling book. You want to read a great book, How the Irish Saved Civilization. All right? The Italians saved civil... Pastor Linda, so let's not get crazy. I was going to say, we as the Italians, we saved civilization by the food that we've created. Right? Right? Come on, because the Irish can't. I mean, corned beef? Really? Corned beef? Cabbage? Potato? That's the best you can come up with? Got a little lasagna, chicken parm, some mutts. My mother-in-law last night, she can cook. The cabbage last night was unbelievable. Our cabbage was better than yours. All right. Well, how are you? How are you doing? I just feel really relaxed today. Is that okay? Woke up a little bit under the weather, I guess. I don't know, like a, like a, like a cloud a little bit. You know, can I ask somebody to do something? I've never done this before from the pulpit. Let's see who's brave enough. Can someone come up and pray for me this morning before I even preach this message? Can someone come up and pray for me? I just feel like God told me in my spirit that somebody's supposed to come pray for me. Who's brave enough to come up and pray for the preacher? I'm always the one that prays. Why doesn't somebody come up and pray for me? First person that wants to come up and pray for me, I don't really care. No, one person. I don't need two. I just need one person. Who's coming up? I would love to have a kid. Wait, do I have a kid that wants to come up and pray? What's up? Good, it's good. You doing all right? Yeah. Tell everybody who you are, because I know you're not afraid. This, this boy, like, he's amazing. You, uh, right? You just, you're not, a, you're not intimidated by the audience right now. Tell them your name. My name is Jack. All right, tell them your last name. I'm Jack. All right. Now, I'm going to preach, but I would love for you to, to pray for me. Is that cool? All right, go ahead, man. Um... Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day we're having today. And I pray that we um, have a great rest of the church time we're having right now. And I pray that we get um, through the day safely, no bad things will happen. And thank you for this wonderful day, Lord Jesus, in my prayer. Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank you. So appreciate that. Wow. Maybe you're going to be a preacher one day. I don't know. I don't know what God has in store for you, but we're going to find out, I guess. Are you going to tell them a joke or something? (laughs) All right, thanks, man. Appreciate you. (laughs) Hey, that's not normal that a kid would have the courage to get up here and and pray like that. That That's pretty amazing. If you got nothing else out of church, we were just preaching just now, right? If you got nothing else out of church, you got that right there. I mean, that was at least for me, the guy that's up here preaching. I wanted to make one announcement before I roll into our new series, uh, Easter Sunday. Easter is, I think, 
uh, five weeks away, maybe somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, we're going to have two services. Uh, one service is going to be at 8.30 and the other service is going to be at 10.30. So we're going to try that out. And we actually had a meeting this week and we've been in discussion on this for a while. Even a trial run down the road of maybe having two services you know, uh, as, as part of who we are. You know, they say when you're 80% full, you're supposed to have another service. So we'll see where that goes, but I'm just throwing that out there for Easter. If you want to come early, you have obligations, what, you know, whatever that may be, there's no way we would fit everybody in this year in this place at 10 o'clock. So we'll have two services. All right. Now, new series, Jonah. You ready for Jonah? You ready for Jonah? Y'all thought it, you're coming in here today and you're going, man, I know the story of Jonah. It's a children's story. Maybe you learned about it in Sunday school. What if there's so much that's down underneath this story? What if it's really a story that has a lot to tell us for where we are today? And you see the subtitle for the, seri- for the series is Resistance Training. Resistance Training. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But I want to, and last week we went to Malta. Um, this week we're going to go to Nineveh. Last week you met barbarians. That's what the, in the original Greek, that's what the text was, the people that we met in Malta. But the dudes that we're going to meet in Nineveh, they really are barbarians. The, the, the crimes they're going to commit against people are pretty heinous. So I just want you to be careful before we get there. Do you think I could actually read the whole first chapter and get through it and not interrupt myself? Is that possible? Do you think I could read 17 verses? I am going to try to be as disciplined as I can and get through just the first chapter. Is that okay? I'm not running through, you know, all four chapters. I'm going to, I'm mostly in chapter one today, but I may move around a little bit. And I just have so much material. So if I preach this sermon 10 times, you'd get 10 totally, not totally different, but you'd get a lot of different pieces. So hopefully you pull some stuff out of me today as the preacher. So I'm going to start in verse one, right at the top, Jonah one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city. I'm going to try. I'll stop myself of Nineveh and preach against it. That's important because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Go to sleep, Jonah. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where do you go? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it'll become calm. Makes sense. 
I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Jonah's prayer, now the Lord, I should have taken that piece out, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Hmm. It's God's word for us today. Can we talk about the fish? Can I just kind of get that out of the way at the beginning of the series? You mind if we talk about the fish? Because there are some people that look at this story and they go, really, was a guy really, is that possible that a human being could be swallowed by a giant fish and God sustained that human being? And some people look at the story and they go, no, it's really a metaphor. I happen to be in the camp that, that believe that this is actually a real story, that this really happened, that this really was a miracle. The same God who spun the universe into existence is the same God, I think, that was able to sustain a man for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Hey, listen, you were in a woman and you came out for nine months you were in there. You're a miracle. God performs miracles. I do. I, I just, I happen to believe this is a miracle and you can't make this up. Ready for this? How many of you saw the story of the South African dude? You were, wait, were you waiting for it? Were you like, is he going to tell us? Come on. Here's a picture of it. Let me show you. If you can see there was a South African, um, I guess he's like a, uh, he owns like a boat, he's like a photographer, does a lot of different stuff. Well, his name is Rainer Schimpf, and he was off the coast, you know, doing some photography off the coast of Port Elizabeth in South Africa when a mammoth whale got a little too close for comfort. He said, these are his words, nothing can actually prepare you for the event when you end up inside the whale and then it's pure instinct. Crazy. And you can go, you can watch the video went viral this past week and there's the picture that one of his friends, the first thing he asked his buddy was, did you get the picture? <laughs> really, dude, you almost died and that's your first question that you, did you get a picture of it? I want the world to see what happened and he thinks, he thinks that this big whale thought he was a dolphin. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, the, and he swallowed him, and then he realized, I'm not getting this dude down my esophagus. So he then spat him back out into the water. It really happened. So God was telling us, look, he knew I was preaching this series this week, and he's giving me a little help. Don't you love God when he does stuff like that? Oh, you don't actually think God could do that. Really? I think God could. He could do whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. With anyone he wants. Because that's how powerful he is. But I believe in miracles. And I don't know. Don't ask. How did God get the whale? And how did he know the location of where Jonah was? I don't know. But if it's anything like finding Dory, he used echolocation. <laughs> right? You know that whales, they can emit noises. How many of you know that, right? So back there, maybe it was a phone. Go get 
Joan. <laughs> I don't know. But, right, I don't know. But listen, God sent an Uber, and the Uber was in the form of a whale. And he said, go pick up my boy Jonah. Now, why did I give this series the tub- subtitle, Resistance Training? You know what I was thinking about this week? I was at the gym maybe one day this week. JP, I didn't say this to you, but we were t- it was around the time we were talking one day this week. And I was looking at one of the machines, and I did a set on the machine. I just stared at the machine, and I was like, just, I was tired after doing that set. And I looked at the machine, and I'm like, you know what? How come every time we do a set, you do something? Do you ever go on the treadmill? You get off the treadmill. You just ran on the treadmill. The treadmill doesn't change. The machine doesn't change when you go on it. The point of actually working out is, is that we would get changed by working out on the machine, by us walking on the treadmill, by us running on the treadmill, that we would actually be the ones that would get changed. And I'm saying that to us this morning because a lot of times we're trying to change the situations in our lives and God's saying, I'm trying to use the situation to change you. That's the book of Jonah. I just gave it to you. You know your kids and you think your kids are crazy and you're trying to deal with your kids and you don't know why your kids are acting up. Maybe God is saying, I'm trying to use your kids to do something in your life and to do something in your heart. Stop looking at all the situations and thinking, how can I change this and look at it with a new perspective? God, how are you trying to change me? Resistance training. Resistance training. We resist and God says, good, keep resisting because that's how I'm going to train you. Jonah's the prodigal prophet. And let me tell you too, he's a drama king. He's full of drama, and he's eccentric, and that's why I kind of like him. You know God loves to use weird people? Hello. (laughs) He uses weird people. There's no doubt about it. He does. And I think he really likes Jonah because Jonah is just, he's just kind of weird. But Jonah, and I said this, and we put this on social media too, I read the book my entire life, and I always thought the point of the book was, hey, Jonah, I need to send you to Nineveh to change the Ninevites, these nasty people, and the whole point of the book is, I'm sending you to Nineveh so I can change you. Why do you think they didn't call the book Nineveh? They call it Jonah. Jonah, I got news for you, boy. You're a great prophet, but the whole thing, it's about you. I'm going to change you in the midst of bringing a people that seem so far from me home. Because that's what God does. I even think about it with church. You know what? I'm looking at it going, hey, man, I'm next in line, and the next generation's going to come one day. And I think about it, I go, and I felt like God was saying in my, in my spirit this week, I kept looking at, you know, we're trying to build something here, and you try to continue to build on the foundation that's been laid for so long. But you know what? God, I felt like God was saying to me, no, I'm trying to build you, dude. I'm trying to build you. 
There are things that I'm trying to build and the team and the people in here stop trying to think it's about building this big thing. No, if I can build you and I can build the other leaders and I can build the other people that come in here, then we can be agents of change and we can go out there and we can raise hell and bring heaven to earth. But it's about us, right? It's about us. It's about us with some changes. And I said to you, I, you know, I, I think I did a good job, by the way, too. I really ran through, right? I went through the first chapter. I, I really was this. I'm so proud of myself today. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. I heard that. that was, and God loved the fact that you just clapped. Go to the great city. Now, I underlined the word great. You know why I underlined the word great? Anybody want to take a stab at this? What, why, is the, why did I underline the word great? You don't know, some of you may, you don't know, you don't have to know anything about the Bible. I said a little bit about these people in Nineveh. Why, why would, great, the great, why would God, why would God say this city is great? 15 times. 15 times in the whole book. Because sometimes the way we see things is not the way that God sees things. God saw it as a great city. Jonah the prophet is going to see it as an exceedingly wicked city. Jonah, I have news for you. You think you know who the good guys are and the bad guys? You think you know what's up and you think you know what's down. But I have news for you, don't. And the same problem we have. I think we think sometimes we understand everything and we know everything. Well, let's, let's talk about this place, Nineveh. Here it is. Here's a map. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. This is the Assyrian Empire. And you know what's fascinating about this in doing the, doing the research? Nineveh was a city, get this now, 120,000 people. 120. Now you may go, I'm saying, the population of the world, what are we at? Seven point something billion people that are on this planet today, am I right? Somewhere in that vicinity? Okay. 120,000 people back then is a lot of people. You want, it, want me to blow your mind right now? You ready for this? John, John, get this. Ready? John, John, get ready for this. It took people three days to get from one end to the city to the other. Three days walk to go from one end of the city to the other. Is that a big city? Yes. This place is huge. Jonah gets a bad rap sometimes. So I'm kind of like, we disparage Jonah a little bit. Hey, Jonah, you're the rebellious prophet. Don't run. Don't. We're going to go a little deeper than that. Think in the series. And especially in next week, I mean, the fourth chapter is one of the craziest, most confounding chapters probably in the whole Bible. We're going to talk about the worm and the tree. I need those trees next week, by the way. They better be here. I don't want anybody to move those. I'm really going to need those. We're going to have some fun because I was just thinking about it before. But anyway, God calls it a great city. And can I tell you a little bit about the people in Nineveh? You want to know a little bit? Because we're here right now. You might as well learn about the people that we're here with, right? You want to know about them in case they pop out? You want to know? Yeah? How about this? They would skin people. Now, I'm going to hold some stuff back because I do have some younger people in the audience. They would skin people alive, okay? Disembowel people. Kids, you can ask your parents about that later, okay? Kings would actually take the skulls of people after they were skinned alive and use them as like, you know, mantelpieces. Oh, that's beautiful. Why don't you put that scale over there? That's wonderful. Why don't you put this one over there? They would cut the hands off of people before they were going to kill them, and then they would shake their hands. The hand that they severed off. I could go on. There are a lot of other things that they did. You can use your imagination. These people are cruel. 
So before you start judging Jonah and say, how come you didn't just listen to what God had said? Well, here's my illustration. This would be akin to, ready? It's the best I could come, a history guy. This is God saying, okay, I need you to go from 1942. I need you to go from New York and you're going to go to Nazi Germany and you are going to find Adolf Hitler and you are going to tell him to repent for all of his sins and everything that he has done and it's going to happen. Yeah, go ahead. Get on a plane and go. You would be like, no Way or today, like if you had to go to like North Korea and go see Kim. Real, I'm serious. That's what this is akin to. And we want to rip Jonah. I told you, we thought we knew the whole Bible. We thought we knew this story. You can't get mad at this guy. He looks at it and says, Look at these people, they're barbaric. Look at the crimes they're committing. And here's another thing. You wouldn't know this from the text, but one commentator said it. I loved it. He probably grew up as a kid hearing stories. He may have seen some of the atrocities that were committed in his life with his own eyes. Why do you think he's running on a ship the other way? He wants no part of this. I have to set the context, right? Now you get the context. Now do you understand the story a little bit more? And I love it because he went, where did Jonah go? Look at this. Look at, look at this. So from Joppa, don't you love this? Nineveh is 500 plus miles away and Jonah goes in the opposite direction, 2,500 miles away. Do you know sometimes when we dis... It takes more effort to disobey God when he tells us to do something. If we just did what he said the first time, we'd be in better shape. And the creativity that we use sometimes. If we had the same creativity for obeying him that we do disobeying him sometimes, we'd be in a real good spot. I'm preaching, but no, I got no help in the audience on that. Because that's true. Maybe it's, for, maybe it's for the dude in the green shirt up here. I think it's for everyone, but maybe it's just for me. I don't know. And so here he is. He travels such a long distance. And then look what it says in, look what it says in 1.3. But Jonah, he ran away from the Lord. And by the way, you know what's funny? I think we read this. Do you think Jonah really thought as the prophet that he could run away from God, from his spirit? Where can I go? Like David says, where can I go? I make my bed in hell. Lord, you are there. Wherever you, we can't run. He knew that. And that's another thing I think people miss when they read this story. Well, he must have thought he could, he knew he couldn't physically run away from God. He's running away from a relationship, which is something that is totally different. He's saying, God, you are not in the center of, I don't want you in the center. I don't want to be obedient to what you're doing. He knew he couldn't run away from him. And he went down to Joppa everywhere. And he goes down, down, down where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. And then look at this. This is, so I told you, I'm skipping around. I, I need to give you this. So this is the last chapter of the book, but I want to show and highlight in the first part, look at this dude's attitude. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He's angry at God because God is still like, he's going to redeem these people. These people that he thinks are so far, 
Isn't that what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew, here it is, that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take, here he is, dramatic again. He does this three times in the book. Take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah, get up, man up, stand up. Now do you understand? Look at this, look, look. So when he fleed, if you're a Bible student, you want to really know this story? So he fleed. Do you know why he ran? He ran because he knew God was going to save the people. He knew God was compassionate. He knew what was going to happen. And he said, I want no part of that to be part of a people that are so far from you. I don't want to go. Does that make sense? Right? Isn't it an amazing? It's God. It's an amazing story. So Jonah knows if God wants to smash Nineveh, what does he need to do? He doesn't need to send a prophet. If God wants to smash these people, obliterate them, just eviscerate them and wipe them off the planet, what does he have to do? He could do something. He doesn't need a prophet. But the prophet knows if God wants to bring these people back, he wants to bring people that are so far away and show them unbelievable grace and mercy, he's going to need a messenger and he knows that he's the guy. Wow, it's a powerful story. It's powerful in so many ways. I know you just want like the application, but I got to give you some of this. I know you're just like, how does this relate to me? Can we actually look at a Bible story sometimes? And I don't sit up here and I don't have to entertain you the whole time and bring up props and everything because that's not my job. My job is to actually teach you the Bible. Yeah, I want to talk about how it relates to you. But this is a story that we need to know. And the problem is you're so familiar with things. The problem is I'm so familiar with things. The problem is I think I've read and know everything. And that's dangerous as Christians. So dangerous that we sit in seats and we think we know all the stories. Man, it's real dangerous ground. But I love the fact that he is the God of the land. He is the God of the sea. He is the God of the first chance. He is the God of the second chance. He is the God of the thin chance. He is the God of the last chance. And I told you, he can do anything he wants, anywhere he wants, with anyone he wants, anytime he wants to do it. Anytime. And you may think, listen... You, after you had the abortion, any time. After you had the divorce, any time. After you had issues with your kids, any time. After you got fired from your job and it was your fault, it wasn't your boss's fault, any time. God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And he extends grace to the people that don't seem like they're ever going to get it or need it. That's why I love this story. Makes sense. And then you go, into, you go into verse five. Look at this. This is kind of funny. I think it's funny. All the sailors were afraid and they cried out. Each, I wish I had time to break all that down. I had to really be disciplined with trying to drag, get one thread through this whole sermon because I could just sit on that the whole time. These sailors who are pagans, who seem so far from God, and here they are. They're going to come get the man of God. And they're going to ask him, the people that are so far from God are asking him to actually pray. What's going on in this story? The people that you think are good may not be as good as they, you think they are. And the people that are bad may not be as bad as you think they are. That's the way we look at the world too. And here it is, right? Look at this. I love this. 
I underlined this part, but Jonah went below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, I got to stop right here for a second. I got to stop here for a second. Mike, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you ever, were you ever anxious? Do you ever have any fear? Before you went to bed? Sure, right? How'd you sleep that night? Not good. Fanna, did you sleep well the last time you had some anxiety? Not really. My beautiful mother-in-law, did you sleep well the last time you had some anxiety or fear? Anybody? You sleep well when you have a lot of issues going on. You sleep great. You put your head on that pillow and you wake up the next morning when the alarm goes off or you get up exactly when you're supposed to get up. I didn't think so. Doesn't that seem peculiar in this story? It's peculiar because here is Jonah, the man of God, who has, he's run, right? He's running away. How come he's in the bottom of the ship and he's able to sleep? I'll tell you why. You know why he's in the bottom of the ship and he's able to sleep? Because he thinks he's righteous and he thinks that he knows that these people can't be redeemed and they can't be saved. I told you we're not sitting in the shower. Come with me. Get out of the shower when. Come to the deep end down here. And he thinks that he is so right in this story and these people are so wrong that he sleeps like a baby. Go to sleep, little Jonah, you self-righteous prophet, self-righteous prophet. Go to sleep, little Jonah. Don't go to sleep on me now, right? But that's what I'm trying to tell you. He goes to sleep because he thinks he's 100% right in his attitude. Isn't this a little scary? The story, you've seen it a little differently? A little guy, come on. You look at this guy and he's looking at it this way and he doesn't even hang out with the pagans. I need you to see this. He does not associate with people that are ethnically or religiously different than he is. Why, Jonah, are you in the bottom of the boat and you're not hanging out with the sailors? You want to know why? Because Jonah thought he was better than them. Jonah thought he had God and he was one of the good people and they were the bad people and he had all the answers and they didn't and he wanted God to wipe them off the planet and here's Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat when 120,000 people are going to be destroyed and he doesn't care because he thinks he's right. It's worse. Can I even, can I even show you? Can I, sh- can I show you more? Can I show you? But I thought this was a kid's story. Tom, I thought this was a kid's story. I thought this is just, come on. I thought it was, oh, that fish swallowed him. And then, no. And then you go to 11 and 12. Look at this. The sea's getting rougher and rougher, rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make, you make the sea calm down for us? And look at it. He's calm. Every commentator I read says he's calm. Hey, just pick me up and throw me into the sea. These guys are afraid for their lives. And here is this man of God. Hey, just take me and throw me in. See what happens. Just throw me in the water. Go ahead. That's okay. He is okay with dying. Do you see that here? The prophet is okay with dying because in his mind, can we get inside of his mind? If he dies, that means the Ninevites, they're not going to be saved and he doesn't have to go deliver that message. And he feels like he's been so noble and so righteous and he's done everything right that he's a hero and he'll be a martyr if he dies. But I thought Jonah was a, I thought it was a children's tale. I I didn't know it had much to teach us. Oh, it has so much to teach us, friends. And here he is, 
He knows that's going to happen. You liking the sermon? So I don't know. I don't know what you. I had no feeling for the sermon today. You enjoying it? Okay, okay. Just lie to me. So he calls it great. Jonah thinks I said it's it's exceedingly wicked. Can I can I can I keep it real right now? Can we can we keep it real? Can I come right at you in your living room? Do you ever look at people sometimes and go, how come God's blessing that person? How can God bless that guy and that woman? They don't tithe. They don't give their time to the church. I saw how they, how they raise their kids and you don't agree with things and you look at them and there are people that you don't even like. There are people that you don't like and sometimes you wonder, God, why are you blessing the bad people? Look at me. I'm a good person. I come to church all the time. You have to understand and see in this story how deep it is that I have sailors in this story that are pagans that are so far from God and they're going to come to know God and make a sacrifice to the God of heaven, the God that we know. And here is the prophet He is running from God. You know why? Can I tell you what C.S. Lewis said? I wasn't going to put this. I told you I had so much notes. C.S. Lewis said there are three types of people. There are irreligious people, people that are far from God. There are religious people. And then there are Christians. Oh, boom! You know who the most dangerous people are in the world, according to Lewis? And Lewis is the man. And if you want to fight me on that after church, you won't win. The most dangerous people in the world are the religious people. And I'm here to tell you on the first sermon in the series that I'm amped up because Jonah is the sinner in the story. Jonah is the religious one. And I'm Jonah. And so are you. Jonah's the religious one. I followed all those rules, God. I did everything I was supposed to do. How come you want to send me? How come life's not working out the way I want? I don't want your plans. God says, yeah, I'm going to take you. You're the sinner. You see those people over there and how horrible they are? Well, look at your own soul, buddy. That's what I'm trying to do. I want you to see how stained your soul is. You know what God told me this week? That he's the elder brother. In the Old Testament, he's the elder brother. Because, yeah, I know the prodigal ran away in the story, right? The prodigal son, he ran away. But the elder brother stayed home and thought he had done everything right. How dare you throw a party for your son who left and here I am and I stay. How dare you take care of these Ninevites. I'm the one that's been doing the right thing. And look at your people over here. And we have the same attitude because you judge other people that are different than you. And so do I. You're not the only one in the room. I do the same exact thing and I'm sick and tired of it. Sick of judging the book by its cover. Sick of looking at people that just, whatever, they talk a little bit different. Who cares? They look a little bit different. You know what I'm seeing too in my own life? I've talked about going to Holland. You know what? I got a special needs son. And I'm starting to understand it more. God's like, you have no idea what I'm going to do with you through that boy and what I'm going to teach you about me. About me. I'm going to make you a better preacher. I'm going to make you a better dad. I'm going to make you a better husband through raising that boy. And you won't have all the answers. 
And it's not from anything you did. It's grace. What, what do you mean? That's grace to have a special? Yeah, that's my grace is exceedingly sufficient for you. Oh, I'm feeling it now. Feeling it now. You look in the Bible. Do you ever look at the genealogy of Jesus? Do you ever look? Do you ever get a chance to look? Did you know in his lineage there's a prostitute by the name of Rahab? A prostitute. Did you know there was a woman by the name of Tamar that was a victim of incest? Did you know there was a woman by the name of Bathsheba that was raped? These are the people that God says I'm going to use in the lineage of my son when I send them into the world. I don't want the perfect people. I'm going to scandalize the world for centuries. It's not going to be the way you want it. It's not going to be the way you think it's going to happen. Wow. You know what Jonah doesn't know in this story the whole time? He doesn't know he's the sinner. He doesn't know he's the sinner. Can I rock your world for about five minutes right now? Can I rock your world for five minutes? Let me tell you what happened. And this doesn't usually happen to me. I picked up a book yesterday. I finished it today, reading early this morning. It wasn't a lo- too long of a book. I could not put the book down. I'm going to show you a picture and I want to tell you a story and I just feel like God's going to unleash something in the atmosphere. How many of you can believe with me that through listening to this story that God is going to unleash something in the atmosphere on the way we look at him and the way we look at grace? Can somebody just believe with me? Can somebody believe with me? How many of you know who that is? How did you know who that was? So many of you said in unison. How did you know who that was? That's impressive. Some of you are like, I don't know what, what, I didn't hear what they said. That's a picture of of Jeffrey Dahmer. If you don't know, I I read a story about Jeffrey Dahmer and that led me to pick up a book yesterday and God said, you got to finish this. There's some things I want to teach you because it scandalized me. Scandalized me. You ready? 1994, he was executed. By the way, he's executed. This is crazy. I told my wife yesterday. This dude uh, He was killed, I'm sorry. No, 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 he wasn't killed. I got so many facts in my head. No, I'm not telling you. I'm backing up from that. I don't usually do that. Wait, no, 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 I'm going to tell you in a little bit. I like to tell stories, and I'm just ruining my own story. So let me start from the top. He is nicknamed the Milwaukee Monster. Milwaukee Monster. He killed 17 men. 17. He's a serial killer, right? 11 of those men, remains were found in his home. Again, like the people of Nineveh, I can't go into all the details. Some of the horrific things that he did to human beings are unspeakable. Unspeakable. If you look at morally how low someone could go, the the lowest human rung, take that rung and keep going. That's where Dahmer went with, 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 with bodies. And you know what, though? You know what really troubled me about the story is not the the most troubling part. Ready? It's not all the killings. It's not all the people that he killed. And you may go, that's crazy, Pastor. That doesn't make any sense. That's not what troubles me the most. No, no, no. That doesn't trouble me. Troubling me the most is not looking at his serene, deadpan face and the pictures when he was in the courtroom. No, 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 no. That didn't trouble me the most. Can I tell you this morning what troubled me the most about this guy's story? Tommy, can I tell you? You ready for this? What troubled me the most about this story is he became a Christian. That's what troubles me about the story. 
That's the book I was reading about his conversion in a jail cell. And I just said that. And there are some self-righteous people in this room that you just judge what I said. You think you're God. And you're going to tell me you know what this guy did. You don't know anything about the story. How dare you sit there in the seat of judgment. And I'm sorry, but I have to say it that way. He was in a jail cell, and he received, he received, can I give you, can I give you something? I don't know how much it seems like you wanted. He received unsolicited reams of religious literature all the time, and he would throw it out when he was in the jail cell. He would get it, and he would just throw it out. Well, one day, a woman by the name of Mary Mott, a little woman that none of us have ever heard of before, decides she's from the United Church of Christ, which just happens to be the same church that his dad was a member of, and she sent him some Christian literature and a course. He saw the material. He saw that it was from the United Church of Christ. And he said, I'm actually going to hold on to this. Because he was tormented in his soul and he needed to find peace. This is six months before he's ultimately going to die. He did the material. He completed all of the material. He completed the course. And he sent it back to the people, this woman. And she was friends with another guy, another Christian. And you know what he asked? Dahmer asked, is there any way I could be baptized while I'm in prison? Because I believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I believe it. Can I show you a quote? I got this from the book and I I asked Megan, I said, Megan, can I use this? If a person doesn't think that there is a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. I always believe the theory of evolution is truth, that we will all just come from the slime. When we died, you know, that was, there is nothing. And I've since come to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is truly God. And I believe that I, as well as everyone else, will be accountable to him. Jeffrey Dahmer's words. Still, no, 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 I feel it. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it. You're not, some people still aren't there yet. That's okay. He said, I should get the death penalty for my actions. I should not be alive. He was contrite at the end of his life. There was a minister. This is the best part. There was a minister. There were ministers that would not go see him. He wanted to get baptized in the jail. Can you imagine? There are ministers of Christ that could not extend grace to him, like Jonah, who couldn't extend grace to the Ninevites, and they wouldn't go. And there was even one guy that said, if Jeffrey Dahmer's in heaven, I don't want to go there. It broke my heart. Now you see why I read the book? You see why I read the book? And God just took me off on this path and said, this is the message for my people this morning and how we look at things. And those people that seem so far away, no one is out of the reach of God. Nobody. So the minister came in. And listen, the moral distance that exists, the moral distance that exists between us and Jeffrey Dahmer is infinitely smaller than the moral distance that exists between us and God. Tweet that. The moral distance, the distance, the chasm. And we, yeah, you know what? He may have went further down the road. D- am I saying, am I justifying anything he did? No. Those acts are horrible. He should have been punished. And there ultimately is coming a day he will be held accountable for what he did on earth and so will we. But that doesn't change the fact that any person at any given time can be contrite and come before, boldly before the throne of grace and ask God for forgiveness for their sins. Anybody, anytime, anywhere.
Sorry, Jonah. So the minister, you want to hear the rest? The minister, the minister came. So the minister comes in. They had this makeshift, like baptismal. And reading the book, he ta- the, 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 uh, the author of the book I read is the minister that actually performed the baptism. And he said it was unbelievable that everyone that was there, the, the, the correction officers and the chaplain that was there who didn't baptize him, which I think is kind of weird, everybody that was there saw it as a sacred moment. I don't know his heart. And you don't know his heart either. But it's so dangerous for us as Christians that we look at people and we think we know who the good guys are and we think we know who the bad guys are. I'm here to tell you. Can I get ready? Can, can you get ready for this? Is something else God put on my heart. I felt like, I felt like, I felt the pain almost of people that think they're going to go to heaven and they think they're only going to see one type of person, one type of Christian. I'm here to tell you, one of the people I want to go up to when I get up to heaven is Jeffrey Dahmer. Because I read that book, and a man that is a murderer, a man that killed 17 people, touched my heart by reading his words in the book. Scandalous, that's what the gospel is. It's scandalous. There's no other religion that's as scandalous as this. And you know what? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I'm going to go, God said, I'm going to send my son into the world so I can understand what it's like to be you. Do you know why he had to send Jonah in? Can I stop for a second and say this? Why would God send a disobedient prophet to deal with disobedient people? You want to know why? Because you have to be kin to, you have to be similar to the people that you minister to. I can't have passion to preach here if I don't understand who you are. You want to know why I prayed for I don't know how long last week for every last person that was in here? And let me tell you, it was one of the greatest experiences I've had as a preacher and I don't know how long because I was carrying you all week. I was carrying you, Barbara. Leslie, I was carrying you. I was carrying people in this church this week. Tara, carrying you. I, as a preacher, have to be touched by the feeling of your infirmities. I sometimes have to get in there and feel your pain. So I can understand how to minister to you and that you can feel my pain and I can feel your pain and we can do this together. That's reality. I just love this gospel. I just love this gospel. Tim Keller is my favorite Tim Keller quote. All time. Keller said, the gospel is this. We are more, worship team, you can come on up because I got more, but I'm going to stop. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Friends, that first part is for all of us. You are more sinful and flawed in yourself than you have any idea. I am more sinful and flawed in myself than I have any idea. And we are to stop looking at people that are outside and going, this book is about racism to an extent too. He doesn't want to associate with people that are different from him. And I'm sorry in the church, why I love being in this church is because we're a multicultural church and we're diverse. And I sent out and we're getting that guy. Remember the church I went to? I didn't stop calling. And I called the guy and they finally called me back and I put in this, I did all this work and hopefully at some point you're going to meet this guy. The pastor's going to come. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know if it's going to be in 2020, but I want that guy to come here and I want him to see there are other churches around 
around where people are hungry and there are other churches around where there's white, black, male, female. It doesn't matter who you are, rich, poor. That's what the gospel is. That's what the church is. It's everybody. It's not just one type of person. It's not one color. It's everybody together. Jonah, and you're, more, and you're more loved too. I didn't say that. How could I leave you on that? You're more loved than you have any idea. You're more loved. John, you're more loved than you have any idea. You're more loved. You're more loved than you have any idea. You're more loved than you have any idea. You're more loved. You're more loved. You're more loved. You're more loved than you have any idea. And I know the enemy has come in and he comes in time and time again and he tries to tell you that you're not valuable and that you're worthless and God doesn't care about you. I'm here this morning. I don't care if you're half asleep. I don't care if you don't feel the spirit. The spirit's here. If you don't feel it, I worry about you. That you need to understand something that he loves you with an unfailing love. He'll never love you more than he loves you right now but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He's a good God. Why don't we start singing? I'm just going to keep, can we sing a song? People, why don't we stand, I'll stop. Why don't we stand up? Why don't we stand up? Why don't we exercise our spirits? And you know what I feel? If that's you and you feel like this is a time that you can just pray to yourself at your seat, if you need to repent because that's you and you're judging things and situations and you're judging people and these are the good guys and these are the bad guys, these are the insiders and these are the outsiders, I ask you to take this story to heart. I can give you the book that I talked about with Jeffrey Dahmer and you can go read it. I don't care what you think. All I know is sometimes I worry that it's not the flames of hell, it's going to be the flames of heaven because you're going to see people there that you never thought would be there. Stop putting God in a box. We don't know people's hearts. The sailors that seem so far are the ones that made the sacrifice and they come into the fold. I think we're going to be surprised by the amount of people that actually really were Christ followers and really said yes to God. We're going to be surprised one day when we get there. Anybody else agree with that? You agree with that? Why don't we start singing, Steve? Why don't we start singing? Scandalous, 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 scandalous. Scandalous, this story is. That's why we're here, though. That's why we're here. His grace, his grace. He came, he came down so he could identify with us and feel our pain and walk in our shoes. Come on, worship team. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When no don't look at the waves this morning. Don't look at the wind. Rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you. You know, Pastor Linda said to me, I had my notes, I don't even share it, Megan, if you don't mind. You know what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1? 
He said, I'm the chief of all sinners. I forgot even to go into that. So if you want to meet Paul when you go to heaven, you got to meet Jeffrey Dahmer because he was a murderer. You want to meet Moses? He was a murderer. You want to meet David? He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. Stop looking at the gospel like it's just for the good people. Point. Done. Done. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.